The fashion world is exciting, fast-paced and worth big money, especially when we're talking about the most luxurious end of the market. The designers of well-established fashion houses produce runway after runway of sensational clothing, inspiring and controlling the trends of the entire world season after season. Whilst I believe all designers at this level are truly talented, there are some who have a spark of something special. And this week's episode is dedicated to one of those special people, an absolute icon of fashion design. It is, of course, Gabrielle Coco Chanel. Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of Tits and Tea. I'm Katie Trickett. And I'm Bella Stanya. And in this episode, we'll be discussing Gabriella Coco Chanel. But before we begin, it's time for tea. Well, actually, this episode, we're trying coffee for the first time, which Ooh. we'll be happy to hear probably, Katie. I love <laughs> coffee. So, this week we have, um, I think you'll like this name, Mockate. So your actual name is even in the brand. Uh, so it's Mockate Gold. I'm probably pronouncing this wrong. Uh, cappuccino chocolate f- flavour. So I sh- tried to like keep in theme with the Coco Ooh. Chanel. You know, Coco, yeah, chocolate. Okay. All yeah. right, show off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I try, I try. Um, so yeah, should we try it? Uh, let's try it. Yeah, pre-warning, I'm not really a coffee lover, but... I think we, when we started this podcast, mm. you were more tea and I yeah. was more coffee. But I can drink tea, and I guess you can... I, I can physically drink it. <laughs> <laughs> I physically can drink coffee. Well, Whether or not it uh, stays down, we shall see. <laughs> let's brew. Okay, should we try this? Yeah, let's try. Oh, it's hot, be careful. Oh. Mm, it's quite sweet. Mm. I also nearly took my two front teeth out because I went oh, way no. too fast oh, no. with my cup. <laughs> I'm not really getting much flavour. It's very milky. It is very milky. Mm, it's cappuccino. Me and Bella don't really drink normal milk. We're dairy-free milk most of the time. And this is milk. This is milk. This is powdered milk. So uh, you can definitely taste the sweetness. Mm, and the milkiness. It's, a, it's not a no from me. Yeah, I could drink this. As coffees go, this tastes more like a hot chocolate. It does. I'm not going to lie. When you put it down in front of me, mm. I could barely stop myself from picking it up. It instantly. was quite funny. I could see your eyes being like, oh. I just mm. wanted it so badly. It's very frothy. It is very frothy. And the smell of it is incredible. Mm. Uh, it does smell delicious. I mean, like I said, I'm not a big coffee lover, but I could drink this. It does taste more like a hot chocolate. It is nice. Mm. I- I'm kind of sad that I'm not going to be able to slurp it constantly. <laughs> if you can like hear little slurps throughout this episode, you know what's happening. Okay, so Bella, are you ready to ready. dive into the French Parisian chic world? Yes. <laughs> Chanel. I've got my um, coffee ready. Do you know much about Chanel? Because obviously, like I have a, um, I have a background in fashion. Okay. But so, I assume that everybody knows everything about yeah. it. So growing up, my mother is hugely into her brands like Chanel. Uh, what are the other ones? <laughs> Dior. Dior. Um, what's the handbag one that she was obsessed with? Um, could be Balenciaga. Could be Michael Kors. Could be Michael Kors. Michael Kors. Yeah. So my mom loves anything with a brand. She adores it. And mm-hmm. Chanel, she definitely was a big thing for. Um, Bella's mummy's got good days. Yeah, she does. Um, so that kind of put me off 
growing up. Just, oh, okay. Yeah, I kind of went the opposite direction. I was like, I don't really care about brands. Like, you're talking to someone who happily shop in Primark. <laughs> um, but I'm still quite interested in it, like, mm-hmm. how it came about. Okay. But yeah, that's my knowledge, probably, on brands. It's all through my mother. <laughs> okay, this is quite interesting, because I think growing up, I was quite into brands. Like, I mm. always wanted... Uh, I remember, like, everybody wanted a real Louis Vuitton bag. And Louis Vuitton, that was it. Yeah. yeah. Louis Vuitton, she's obsessed with. She I actually know. gave me a Louis Vuitton bag for one of my birthdays, and I was like... I bet you don't care, do you? Who this? <laughs> who is this? And she oh. looked at me like I just, like, I don't know, grew another head right in front of her. Like, I'm what? not going to lie, I want to, I want yeah. to bury you right now. <laughs> <laughs> fashion was important to me, and I was kind of like, as I... From a young age, I wanted to be a fashion designer. What really inspired me, this is really, really messed up, was, um, have you seen the real-life 101 Dalmatians? Yes. Where Glenn Close plays Cruella Yes, she plays the best Cruella Deville. Yeah. I love it. Well, there's a new Cruella movie coming this year, so we'll, we'll see if we'll she's see. still the best, but mm-hmm. I think she will be. Yes. But have you seen the bit where she, the original bit where Anita hands over the design yes. of the Dalmatian puppy coat? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, my friend owns that movie prop. What? He showed it me in his basement once, and um, I just was like, oh, if you ever get rid of it, like, please let me have it, because mm. this literally made me want to have that career, and I couldn't believe I came so close to it. So when I saw that image of the very glamorous lady wearing the puppy skin coat, that's what made me want to be a fashion designer. What? Um, Cruella I, de Vil, I <laughs> a villain of Disney, who skins, I well, know. wanted to skin puppies, and... What? And you know what the worst bit is? Like, I had all these drawings when I was, like, learning to figure draw. Because I used to try and draw people, like, even when I was, like, seven. Mm. And they're all wearing animal Oh, fur. Oh, my God, Katie. There's, like, girls in these hideous, like... You're veggie as well. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. Vegetarian. I love it. It's like, I'm not going to eat it, but I'm going to wear this fabulous coat. I wouldn't wear it now. And, like, I wouldn't support the... I'd never support the fur industry now. I think it was just my naive child mind. I didn't think Mm. about where the fur came from. It was just, like, I just, like, tiger print. I was just like, oh, it's a tiger. See, like, I own... A fur coat. I, I own a fur coat. But too. I got it at a retro pinup uh fair mm-hmm. where it's it's probably older than me. I know it's I about like say. 35 to 40 years old. Yeah. And I feel like if you're recycling clothes like that, then I I can I can see like it's not going to waste. You're actually using it. Yeah. But if you're purposely farming animals now and yeah, killing there's, animals there's now no... to make more fur clothes, there's no reason. Back then no the different fabrics and quality that you can use isn't as vast as we have now. Yeah. Also, real fur stinks after a while. It actually does, isn't it? Because it's decaying skin. It's just skin. Yeah. Yeah, it's grim. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Like you said, I'd rather someone have it than it be thrown away. Because then if it was just thrown away, I feel like, oh God, something died for that Mm. and you've just thrown it away. I wouldn't want to encourage people to wear fur ever. Mm. But I think second-hand fur that is old it's recycled yeah it's recycled from a different um, time yeah yeah and uh, to be fair i've got really extreme with this now and like i trying to source my feathers ethically for costumes Same, yeah. um, even with plastic materials yeah yeah i think we all need to be a bit more aware and i do think fashion is moving in that direction as oh, well massively. obviously there are still awful um 
very famous designers, Dolce & Gabbana, mm. um, <laughs> that are still creating, like, rabbit fur products or mink, uh, or mink eyelashes. That's going to be the next thing. Like, mm. don't do it. Yeah. No mink eyelashes, please. Like, so, as Katie's aware, I wear dramatic eyelashes like extremely <laughs> fake like drag queen eyelashes and i love it i'm all she about looks the eyelashes. amazing i'm all about that lash um and the brand that i do buy it does publicize that it is fake mink eyelashes like they're very big on the fake bit mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah be aware of what you're buying people mm-hmm. um just consider the amount of suffering that goes into things i think is important at the end of the day everybody's different everybody has different morals on things some people buy free range eggs some people don't mm. it's just what it is but i think especially with fashion i just found it interesting that what was insp- the, the thing that started my interest in fashion yeah. was cruella de Vil. i love that <laughs> to be fair minus the skinning of animals mm. I think she's great, actually. Yeah. Because if you took away the skin of animals, she's not actually evil anymore. No, <laughs> she's just a fashion-forward badass. Well, the new movie is about uh, It's her, her life becoming. before, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm so excited like to see that. Like a Maleficent moment. I know, I'm really excited for that. <laughs> Interesting little side note. I just Sorry, because I can't stop laughing now I've thought of it. So, as you know, I do quite like fashion unfortunately last year um, we lost my granddad just before the pandemic started and I wasn't really sure what to wear to his funeral but it was very wintry and it was cold because it's December time over here so I wore like a black dress and smart black shoes and and I've got this gorgeous very fitted vintage style black coat with a cape and Mm -hmm. it's 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 got a fake fur trim around the bottom, down the front, on the cuffs and on the cape. Nice. And it also has a hood, which is why I chose it, because I thought, oh, it, it, yeah. if it rains a little outside, it's I practical. won't get wet. It's very practical. And as you know, I have white hair. And at the time, I was going into like a vintage curl set with it. And I was wearing a red lipstick. Wow, I'm already imagining this. It was quite a look. I have to say, it was quite a look. But I think that's what my granddad would have wanted. Yeah. Like, he, he knew me for Easy who I was. To dress up. Yeah. Yeah, I've always been this way. So um, why should I be any different on any other day? And, you know, all my cousins and stuff were like, oh, you look really nice. And things like that. <laughs> and my brother was like, you look like Cruella DeVille. <laughs> Yes. He literally I taken that as a compliment. Uh, to be fair, I actually did because I was like, I know I'm not wearing down anymore, so I'm I'm good. With it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he say my brother often refers to me as mm. Cruella Deville. He's like, you just need to dye half of your hair black. Fantastic. So. Not... I feel like we need to do an episode on, like, Disney villains. <laughs> I feel like we should. Should yeah. we do one on female villains? Yes. Oh, my God, we've got so much yes. to go there. Right, okay. So after this 11-minute side note, almost, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll shorten that. We're fine. <laughs> We're not going to shorten that. It's all staying. Yes. Uh, <laughs> let's start our episode today on uh, Coco Chanel, because that is what we're here for. So Gabrielle Chanel was born on the 19th of August, 1883, in Saumur in France. She had a really sad start to life because her mother passed away when she was just 12 years old. Her father didn't feel like he could raise his three daughters alone, so he left them at an orphanage. Oh, wow. The orphanage was a strict Catholic institution and it wasn't an easy life for the girls. But it was here that Gabrielle would learn the skills that would later make her the world's most famous fashion designer. Because the nuns at the orphanage taught her how to sew and make clothes. Mm. So soon she was old enough to take her first steps into a huge new career. That's very peculiar of all places to get that skill. I know, right? Mm. And when you think of Chanel and the luxury... Like, Chanel is the height of luxury, I feel. Like, Like, I feel like you don't have to be knowledgeable about brands 
to know what Chanel Chanel is. (laughs) Quite interesting to think she was basically an orphan. Mm. And this is what she did. But anyway, let's carry on. Chanel managed to secure work in Mulan as a seamstress. However, she needed some more income. And to make ends meet, she began singing at various clubs and bars. Love it. Mm -hmm. And she was really good. So she was very popular. But she was also probably popular because she had very dramatic good looks. Oh. I don't know if you know what Coco Chanel looks like. No, I don't, actually. I'll show you when we finish. And we'll pop some pictures on our Instagram. She's gorgeous. She's She's a very attractive lady. And she's very stylish. Love it. And that's where she gained the nickname Coco. Oh, okay. Some say it was coined from a song that she sang, but then it also could have come from the French word cocotte, which means kept woman. Oh. But obviously... I'm not sure about that. (laughs) I'm not sure about that either, because she was working hard. She was working her ass off, bless her. So in 1906, she began a love affair with an affluent young Frenchman named Etienne Balsan. He was a textile heir and a racehorse owner. Her greatest passions were horse riding and the creative use of fabric. So, as you can imagine, mm. she's pretty happy with that because she's got all these textiles to play with from his uh, from his company. Collection. And he owns horses, so happy days. So, for a while, she was really content with this new life. But she was, at this point, quite kept. Like, he didn't mm. really offer her much of a future. So, she needed a bit of a creative outlet to give her a bit more to focus on. Mm. So, he suggested um, millinery, as in making hats. Just as a hobby, though, not oh, as a career. Of so course, he yeah. was like, "You should make fabulous hats, but not to earn money. Just, just do it in just your free keep, time. Yeah, just you keep know? you busy and uh-huh. a controlled woman." <laughs> yeah, and so Coco began to produce absolutely beautiful hats to occupy her time. I mean, we're talking amazing I hats. I can only imagine. Like really creative. So all she was doing with her time was this. So in 1909, she actually left Etienne because she fell in love with his best friend. Oh, he was oh, a, a scandal. Uh-huh, scandal. But I actually, I, I feel like it wasn't that bad. Mm. I don't know why. He was a British polo player named Arthur Capel. I nice. think it's Capel. C-A-P-E-L. It could be Capel, yeah. but I think it's Capel. Capel. Within a year, he had financed her first shot. And she opened her hat establishment in a narrow Parisian back street called Rue Canvon on the 1st of January 1910. Oh, that's lovely. The fact he encouraged it as a business, not just some bizarre hobby. Yeah, so it was quite nice because she got the skills, but he, instead of just being like, oh, you should do this to keep you busy, darling, it's Mm. more, you know what, you can make a career out of this. Yeah, be an independent woman. (laughs) Yeah. Capel then financed a second Chanel boutique in we say Deville, but it's actually Deauville, I found out from oh. working there. Uh, and I was calling it Deville, uh, but Deauville. A few years later, and here Coco really began to gain success. The timing was perfect. Coco Chanel always had a dislike for the fussy, like, pre-World War One high fashion look for women. So you're thinking, like, pre-World War One, it will have still been, like, the corseted days. Mm. So it wasn't even, like, flapper dresses yet. It yeah. Was, it was still quite, like, corset, Hourglass. lots of waistcoats. Uh, not waistcoats. Um, lots of uh, petticoats, underskirt, 10 million layers. It's, like, this peeling. This unrealistic on. figure of what a woman's body should be, which is, like, hourglass, like, big hips, big boobs, tiny waist. Mm-hmm. And she much preferred comfortable, modern clothing to allow movement. She was really inspired by Capel's male countryside wardrobe. So he oh. was, you know, into riding and obviously played polo. Mm. She really liked his kind of trousers, shirts, jackets, like men's country wear. Mm. She began to produce simple and casual designs from cheap fabric like jo- 
jersey, which was really cheap. So women would tend to wear silk or cashmere, mm. expensive, luxurious um, fabrics. And she started to make things out of cheap fabric, which was great because between 1914 and 1918, the war wasn't a time for extravagance. So people didn't have the money to spend mm. on like a, a new cashmere outfit. So women would flock to Chanel stores for her stylish, affordable and practical clothing. Mm. And this is where things started to get exciting for her. This was the start of the principles that spanned Coco Chanel's entire design career, the luxury of simplicity and perhaps her most lasting gift to fashion, the need for a fashionable woman to be slim and keep slim through her entire life. No. Now this is controversial because as we know, all bodies are beautiful. Yes. Doesn't matter what size you are. Shape, size, colour, it's all Everything's fine, everything's good. Chanel was slim herself and she definitely, I think she probably began that movement towards skinny models yeah i believe that that was probably when this kind of started when she's making things like very little black dresses Mm. she's making them for tiny people because she's probably modeling them off herself herself yeah so i I think that line is a little controversial her most lasting gift to fashion is the need for fashionable women to be slim and keep slim throughout their lives Uh, yeah i also feel like that's probably based off the fact that so she's making clothing comfortable and more fitted to the body rather than previous fashion trends to uh, before that, which was about structuring the body to an unrealistic point. So if yeah. even if you weren't skinny, you could wear a corset and make and force yourself skinny. Whilst with comfortable, flexible clothing, your body shape is whatever it is. Yes, exactly. It's totally up to you what shape you want to be on that. Exactly. You can't hide your body shape in mm. modern clothing. No. Whereas, you know, you put a corset on me and I look ridiculous because I am just a tube. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're not. No, but I am. Like, I know that a corset isn't ideal for me because I don't make much headway in creating that waistline and mm. I don't have particularly bigger hips or boobs to be able to have that hourglass. We have a friend who has a most gorgeous figure and when she puts a corset on, I literally just die with envy. She's, Drop to your knees. Oh, you know who I mean. <laughs> I know who you mean. Um, and yeah, she, she has the most incredible figure. But then oh, me and her have discussed similar things. And she's like, I could never wear the little two pieces that you wear. Mm. Because to have my stomach out with no corset, I would be so uncomfortable. Yeah. And she's like, I could never wear a lycra catsuit like you do. Mm. There's so, like things that people can get away with more such as like uh, not wearing bras in little tank tops Mm -hmm. compared to some women that really can't wear that or if they can if they want to they can if they want but I believe it's I mean I wouldn't know because I have it's probably uncomfortable but (laughs) But I think it's probably uncomfortable yeah I know women who have very large boobs and it gives them like backache if they don't wear a bra (laughs) yeah when I was a kid I remember wanting boobs so badly Mm. and now I'm grown up I'm like oh thank you whoever kept on this side (laughs) (laughs) so that's a bit of a controversial point about Coco Mm. not really sure she was body positive yeah I think she wanted to dress women well and create make life more comfortable for women Mm. but I think if you were a big girl she probably didn't want to dress you and I don't you know I really disagree with that but obviously in 1919 Coco's world was destroyed because Capel was killed in a car accident oh no have you noticed every episode is bleak like 
I feel like there's a trend with a lot of these successful women that their love life seems to be sacrificed in order for them to have like this really successful life. <laughs> oh my god, that's so true. Like a tragedy. So do I with... kill my boyfriend now oh, and then I can no. have a successful future? <laughs> I have a patio. <laughs> <laughs> that's like twice you've suggested the patio now. I'm starting to get worried. Don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I, I built this patio myself, by the way, so. <laughs> yeah, Bella is a strong, independent woman. She built a patio by yeah. herself. There's a lot of concrete. <laughs> I hope you got your line balance right, girl. Well, maybe. Depends if I'm trying to hide some bodies. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, there definitely seems to be a trend about successful women and having a sad... Yeah, because I feel like the tragedy of their relationship or love life seems to spark their passion to then continue what they do. Quite possibly. Mm. Where was I? Oh, yeah, so he's died. So this is awful. We're not going to like him anymore. Because, yeah, he did finance those shops, but he'd never been faithful to her. <gasps> and he married someone else whilst he was with her. What? I'm guessing she wasn't left in the will. <laughs> I doubt it very much. She was absolutely besottedly in love with him. He was everything to her. So he married someone else while he was with her. So he lived a double life. He lived a double life. Um, but she did really love him. This loss allowed her to join the rest of the country's women in mourning. Because obviously this is the wartime. Personal loss was really widespread. Mm. All these women were losing their husbands in the war. Sons, um, brothers, husbands, everyone, yeah. Exactly, fathers, every, like everybody was losing people. This gave her a chance to connect and understand that feeling. Mm. So she vowed to never fall in love again. Tragic. <laughs> yes, but she was also smart. So she chose not to fall in love again, but she did still have future lovers. Mm. And she chose lovers with power. Business from, plan. <laughs> it was a business plan. All of her future boyfriends had power from which she could gain further independence. Love it. So basically, unless you were worth dating, she wasn't going to waste the time on you. Yeah. But this little sense of heartbreak from losing Capel inspired one of Chanel's most iconic creations, the little black dress. Yes. She realised there was a need for post-war mourning, even from young women who were losing boyfriends um, and husbands, and she found a way to bring elegance to the colour in a chic new style. So she invented the little black dress that we all know and I love today. I love that. I love the fact that it was made for funerals when know. God knows what it's used for nowadays. It's like a pulling technique <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, it's like, oh, little black dress. You know what's up for today? It's I like, know. Oh. <laughs> I know, right? It's so weird when you find out the history mm. of these things. <laughs> the 1920s also brought a new height to Chanel's thriving business. She was employing 2,000 people at this point. Wow. Yeah, it's like the 20s. Given that she opened her first shop in, what, was it 1903, did mm. I say? Something like that. So she's done really well. Then there's been a war in there as well. Mm. And she launched her first perfume, a scent which is still sh- uh, sold today. Do you yes. know what it could be? Chanel no. number five. Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you like Chanel number five? Uh, my mum wears it quite a bit. <laughs> I was going to say, it's yeah. quite... Um, I love it, but I don't buy that one very often. I, I usually get chance. Because mm. I feel it's a bit of a younger scent. Yeah. Occasionally, I'll treat myself to some Mademoiselle. Yes. For the same reason. But I do find number five, it's gorgeous and it's very, like, iconic. But I almost I, I almost don't feel, um, what's the right word for this? Not glamorous enough. But I just sort of don't feel ready to wear it yet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like it's something that if you were going to a very extravagant event maybe but yeah. every day for my mother is extravagant so oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I literally love your mother. 
This is the first fragrance ever to feature a designer's name. Wow. Know that. Yeah, neither did I. But Coco apparently said, "Perfume is the unseen, unforgettable, ultimate accessory to fashion that heralds your arrival and prolongs your departure." She literally just nailed it there. Yeah, she... because it's so true. Like, if someone's got yeah. a great perfume on, you're like, "Oh, they smell great." And mm. then after they've gone, you're like, "Oh my god, I can really smell Maria's perfume now. She's gone." It's like it's the basics of human biology as well because the main thing that we're attracted to with hormones and pheromones and they're like look at the lynx advert i know that's Uh very different from coco chanel but it's the fact that they think oh if i spray myself with this i'm gonna attract all these women and we laugh at it Mm -hmm. but that is a thing like if a woman or a man smells good oh yeah it's that natural base also can you imagine how horrible it was for me when i found out that my current boyfriend (laughs) cannot smell anything he has no sense of smell at all not just because we're in a pandemic it's permanent yep so (laughs) i was like amazing cook (laughs) oh thanks bella um but i was thinking more for the fact that going on dates and when we first met and stuff putting on my lovely chanel perfume 80 quid a bottle oh jesus Uh, wasted and he's like Ugh, your perfume tastes disgusting. Tastes disgusting. And I'm like, oh, can't even smell it. And you hate the taste of it. What is the point? You're better off with like flavored lube or something. <laughs> you can't taste it. <laughs> like, oh, let me just rub this strawberry over let me. me. Just rub this sugary water on my neck. Yeah. <laughs> just have all the wasps chasing after me down yeah. the street. But Coco was practical and her designs remained revolutionary. Her fashion rivals at the time were other Parisian designers and they frequently complained to the editor of Vogue, uh, as did she, that they had to share pages with each other. Uh, Because they were so different. Like, she was really creating new things, whereas they were still very much stuck in the, like, over-the-top, like, Mm -hmm. very fancy designs and styles, whereas she's like, oh, just wear this little piece of material. Mm. (laughs) It's a dress. In 1924, Coco created the costumes for the ballet Le Train Bleu, performed at the Théâtre des Champs de Lycée. Oh, I've got that wrong. I can say that. (laughs) Théâtre des Champs de Lycée. One of you will correct me on that. I know I said it wrong. I'm not French. I'm a Northern English girl. During this decade, Coco continued to draw inspiration from menswear and focus on comfort for women. So quite androgynous then. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So basically, everything we wear today, we can thank Coco for. Because we're both sat here in jeans. Like my slouchy cardigan that I'm wearing today is very Coco Chanel. Because it's got this like men's style dropped neck. And this might be too much information, but neither of us are wearing bras either. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the listeners' benefit, I just squeezed the boobs to see how <laughs> drew inspiration from her latest romance with the Duke of Westminster. Mm. On her frequent trips to Scotland, she discovered tweed and transformed the traditionally masculine fabric into something that women could wear. She helped women to ditch their corsets, petticoats and confining garments and introduced new uh, new trends and styles such as the legendary Chanel suit with its collarless jacket and fitted skirt. Yes, that is the one thing that I really do love about Chanel. Like like I said, the, um, the, the suit. Oh, like... I'm, like I said at the start of this episode, I'm not much about brands and my knowledge about it. Like, well, I've never, you, you'd have a suit. Chanel suit, oh, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, a million percent. Uh-huh. I love female fitted suits because it's so hard to find one unless you custom make 
a suit, it's ridiculously more expensive mm-hmm. than a male suit yeah. to have it fitted, especially waistcoats, to a boob. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's so much more into it as well. Obviously, like, as I said, I did a degree in fashion and, mm. like, we did men and women's tailoring and, well, everything, children, maternity, you name it, we did it. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, mostly we focused on women's wear, but just the shape of a woman's body is completely different to a man. And every woman's slightly different. I know men are all slightly different too, but... You know, for, structurally, if you just go up an inch in each size of a chest, mm. you, something's going to fit someone. They're only yeah. ever going to be an inch either way. But like women, you can have tiny waist, massive bazoombas. You can have tiny little boobs and booty, a, thighs, hips, so neck, many things, boot, like shoulders, everything. It's because you could be female and still have like quite a strong, structured shoulder. Yeah, I mean, like, we have friends I'm, that are like, you know, the pole girls. Mm. They are very um, broad. Yeah, they've got good strong shoulders. Mm. They've got good upper like upper back and Amazonian women. <laughs> yeah, and they're badass. But mm. they wouldn't fit in my clothes. Insane. And I'd look ridiculous in theirs, <laughs> quite frankly. But yeah, so she she really helped ditch all the kind of confining clothes. I mean, can you imagine having to get up and put a corset on every day? Mm, like, no. I just never get dressed. I just live in my dressing gown. Why should I take my corset off so fast when I'm on stage? I'm just like, no. <laughs> I, don't, I think I only own one now. One corset. I, I own quite a few. <laughs> that I'll admit. You look good in them, though. I would so have a Chanel suit, though. I mean, yes. I, well, I'm saying I would so have one. Like, if anyone wants to buy me a Chanel suit, <laughs> I will post my sizes. So, because I would love one. I don't care about the colour. I don't care about the age i just want a chanel suit oh they're just so good like everyone looks good in a chanel suit it's one of them as well i feel like it needs to be normalized even nowadays for a woman to casually wear a suit like i love wearing waistcoats i love wearing a suit also i worked once with this absolutely insane little lady um (laughs) she was a proper pocket rocket but she was really feisty she was an insane boss and she had this most gorgeous tuxedo and, nice oh we once went on this night out I and love tuxedos on women oh she looked incredible uh, along came world war Two, and this is where coco chanel's life takes a bit of a controversial route oh uh, it's not sad it's just controversial so despite that it was treason to consort with members of the occupying german forces in paris wait what <laughs> where's this going <laughs> yeah so obviously the german forces have started to like come into paris and if you were seen with them talking to them it was treason against the french state coco <laughs> idiot <laughs> well actually she's not an idiot but she began dating house gunther von dinklage a German officer. That's a mouthful. <laughs> also, I can't read his name without laughing. I am a child. I know it's Dinklage, but it just mm-hmm. makes sure. me laugh. Sure, it's a mouthful in a number of ways. Oh, Bella. <laughs> I had to go there. Uh, the war and the economic depression had caused her to lay off her workers and close her fashion house. So she spent the majority of the war cosied up in her apartment at the Ritz Hotel with Von Dinklage. Oh, so... So she basically she spent, time. well, yeah, but it's like, you know, not very um, patriotic, is it? Like, there's a war going on. Like, you're annoyed because you've had to close your fashion house and you're sleeping with a German soldier. Eh. <laughs> and her last boyfriend was the Duke of Westminster. So, so like, she talk sure about swapping teams. Yeah. And, like, Tries a bit of both. I know. She's just like, oh, the Brits are boring. I'll go German. <laughs> um, as the war ended things started to not look so good for Coco because France really wanted to punish anyone that collaborated with the German forces. 
I'm oh. guessing she was quite public about her German boyfriend. I, I don't know if she was or wasn't, but I mean, when you're such a big person as as she was at this point like she's quite famous she's got a fragrance out like her name is everywhere and you live in the hotel ritz (laughs) france saw her relationship with a nazi as a huge betrayal of her country she lost all of her popularity in the eyes of the public and they basically thought it was going to be the end of her career so she left for switzerland and then after years of lying low in 1954, so long mm. after the war had finished, at the age of 70, oh, what? Coco Chanel presented a brand new fashion collection. Wow. So she she did, she got punished for it. You know, like, yeah, you think about when the, the war ended in the 40s. So yeah, she, she was quiet for ages. Yeah, that's a big chunk of what could have been, like, an incredible time for her career. Uh-huh. Though I suppose as well, I guess before we got to that point, I hadn't really ramped up how amazing she was doing. Um, obviously, we said she was the first designer to have a fragrance, but you know, in playing two thousand people in the twenties, that female. was a big deal. Yeah, mm. exactly. Especially as a female, that was a really big deal. Mm. So yeah, I mean, she's fallen from great heights. I think that's the thing that we've got to point out here. It's not just the lying low. It's the mm. length she's fallen. Her reason for returning to the industry is debated. Chanel Number no. 5, at that point, had been the most popular fragrance ever, but it was starting to flounder in sales without the glamour of the fashion house that had created it. And also de- uh, designers such as Dior, mm. they'd started to come onto the scene and they were doing flamboyant, overdressed, like romanticised women wear you know Tucky. almost a step backwards like, yeah because we're talking we're not talking like you know if you think about the 50s me and you will probably think of like eight line dresses yeah um but we're not talking high street main what main people wear this is like the couture mm. standard so this is like what the upper echelons of society high are end. wearing mm. yeah so um they were making everything so fancy and overdressed uh, she might have felt the need to continue her revolution to simplify women's clothing and give power to the modern woman, or it could just be because they were going broke. Mm. Either way, Chanel pulled off an absolute miracle. The French press still treated her with a lukewarm reception, but the American and the British markets just fell in love with the new shape of the Chanel suits. They were soft and chic and created a fresh, youthful look that you could wear in an accessible way. So, of course, she came back with the best item she's ever made, which is the suit, and she yes. just redesigned the suit. Obviously, she had that gorgeous, those soft fabrics that, you know, mm. the pastels, like the pale pink and the, I think, uh, was it Jackie Onassis? Yeah. Well, Jackie Kennedy. She used to <laughs> love a Chanel suit. That's the kind of thing that, re- that really gave her that boost of coming back. Yeah. For almost two decades, Coco Chanel would continue to create iconic women's wear, which is pretty impressive because... She came back at the age of 70. Yeah, and still managed to kick butt. For two more decades. Mm, Like, she should be retired. (laughs) Yeah, she dominated the fashion industry, and she developed the features of a brand that we still know today, including her signature entwined C's logo, you know, Mm, like the two C's mm -hmm. that we all love. That's how you can tell when it's a fake. (laughs) Um, Horizontal striped tops, which wasn't, it was like a fisherman thing to wear Mm. a stripy top, and then she basically coined it and made it her own. Quilted handbags, obviously. Mm. Monochrome colour palettes, lots of black, white, grey. And her favouring of costume jewellery and pearls. Like, we all, they're all things that you just, they scream Chanel, don't Mm -hmm. they? Coco Chanel once said, fashion fades, style remains. And this is clear in her unwavering sense of personal style as well as in her work. I love looking at pictures of um, Coco Chanel because 
but she never wears a trend. Mm. Um, she's just stylish. Yeah, she doesn't care what the new latest thing is. She just yeah. wears what she wants to wear. When I was younger, I was very much a trend follower. Mm. When hippie skirts were in, I wanted a hippie skirt. Yeah. But I do think now I am quite the opposite. Yeah, like, I think both I, of us just go with whatever we want to wear. <laughs> yeah, like I try and pick things that are going to look good on me rather mm. than what is trendy. And I I do try and think of her ethos of looking mm-hmm. stylish rather than looking trendy. Trendy. Yeah, and I also do find that when I, if I ever slip up and go like, oh, I want this because it's trendy, I'm always like, why did you waste your money on this? Yeah. Like, I always regret it. Gabrielle Coco Chanel died on the 10th of January, 1971, aged 87, at her apartment in the Hotel Ritz after a long day's work. Hundreds gathered at the Church of Madeline to bid farewell to a fashion icon and in tribute, many of the mourners wore Chanel suits. Love it! And the Chanel story doesn't stop there because a little more than a decade after her death, designer Karl Lagerfeld took the reins at her company to continue the Chanel legacy. Today, her namesake company is held privately by the Wertheimer family and continues to thrive, believed to generate hundreds of millions of dollars in sales each year. Oh yeah, I can only imagine the figures of like profits they get. Mm-hmm. And this is a cool thing to mention here. Carl, who took over from Coco, he could speak fluent Chanel, but they never met. Oh. He revived her brand using her signatures and giving them a modern twist. I almost feel like when Carl took over, imagine she'd like drawn a picture of all the things that were hers. So like the Antoine the C's, quilted mm. handbags, black and white, suits, pearls. And like she'd put them all on like little um, cards mm. and he like shuffled them all together and then like spat a few out on the table. Like played her poker hand with like what, just a few of her signatures and like just revived it. Yeah. And I just love that he just knew how to continue her work because yeah what she would compared to to everybody else nobody else could have done that Mm. they were all still doing over the top and it's interesting to know that she never had kids or anything yeah she she did vow to like never love again so that makes sense yeah i feel if um capel had married her things Mm. would have been very different because i think she would have had kids with capel but obviously he married someone else and died so yeah and I can't imagine anybody else ever being... I think she was just a bit of a player. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I also, like, because obviously normally women that don't settle or have more boyfriends, especially back then, would have mm. got such a reputation. Yeah. And I kind of love that, that she either she did not na- give two shits yeah, or... Yeah, she had a Nazi boyfriend and was still like, eh, I don't care. I know, right? Just like, like, she came back in her know. 70s and was still like, I can only... I. I have this picture in my head of her in her 70s and still being, like, surrounded by, like, boy toys. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Also, I did read a thing about... I don't know how accurate it is. Obviously, she used to go out with the Duke of Westminster mm. and he was very good friends with Winston Churchill, which is why she was able to escape to Switzerland, apparently. That makes sense. Because she kind of, like, needed a bit of a hand. So she was just like... Hey, you hope we're friends. Yeah, I think <laughs> Help me out here. I know he's not a lady, but since I've just brought up Carl, I just have to mention Carl because mm. he was amazing. Carl was head of Chanel from 1983 till he died in 2019. He was a great multitasker, so mm. he was pretty much a woman. Yeah. <laughs> because whilst running Chanel, he also directed Fendi, 
from 1965 to 2019 and his own self-titled brand from 1984 to 2019. So to be able to run three fashion houses yeah. for 40, 40 years? Nearly 50 years. It's pretty impressive. That's very impressive. Like, what a guy. Carl did have a partner called Jacques for a period of his life until Jacques died, I believe. But after that, the true love of his life was a cat called Choupette. On his death in 2019, which was awful, everyone misses Carl, he left his fortune to the ragdoll cat. I love it. Guess how much? I'm guessing millions. 153 million pounds. Jesus Christ, and this cat, oh my uh, god. For international listeners, uh, that's 200 million US dollars. Wow. To a cat. <laughs> to a cat. Like, I love cats. I'm definitely, like, a cat lover, but what? Because he didn't have any kids either, he was gay, so. so he was just like, here, here to, to my cat. To be fair, I would probably do that in my will. I'm just like. <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, I think it's, it's since being released that he did leave some money to other people too. To maybe look after his cat. (laughs) Well, the cat now lives with her nanny in Paris. And I bet she's happy with that. (laughs) Well, I bet the the nanny's happy. I bet the cat's like, where's me dad gone? (laughs) Yeah, what's going on? How much? What? Oh my god, can you imagine the cat's wish list? <laughs> I will eat fine tuna from a diamond encrusted bowl. <laughs> oh, the crustaceans. Give me the crustaceans. So yeah, Carl, Carl was just like a whole amazing it. part. But Coco's incredible life story has become almost legendary. There's been several biographies of her. In 1969, Catherine Hepburn starred as the famous designer in the Broadway musical Coco, which was based around her life. Uh, the show received seven Tony Award nominations, including Best Costume Design, which I think mm. is really fitting for a yeah. fashion designer. I love that. Uh, there have also been multiple films and series created documenting her life, including a 2008 movie, Coco Chanel, starring Shirley MacLaine as the elderly Coco, and Coco Before Chanel, a film about her early life starring French actress Audrey Tautou. I've seen both of these films. They're really, really good. I still need to see them. The Shirley MacLaine one is really good. Mm. Coco Chanel cemented her place in the icons of fashion. It's safe to say she was a lady that rocked. Her creative outlook changed the way women dress and without her influence, the clothes we wear today would be very different. Mm. Uh, Maybe another visionary would have taken her outlook, but it takes a really brave designer to gamble in the traditions of dress with the confidence that she did. Her strength was her ability to read the times and the moods that changed them. And usually before anyone else did, she realized the need for what people required Mm. from their clothes before that became a trend. She was a true catalyst for fashion change, allowing her to rule over the Parisian fashion world for six decades. And her signature perfume, Chanel No. 5, is still the best-selling perfume of all time. Wow. How insane is that? That's crazy. The best-selling perfume of all time. Of all time. Like, the idea of someone doing a brand with their name that's a perfume is quite common nowadays, obviously, Mm -hmm. with, like... Uh, oh, I'm going to do a perfume and then a clothing brand and then I'm going to do a book. It's I was like, just thinking, should we make a tits and tea fragrance? Yes. Would it smell like tits or tea? <laughs> um, or tits in tea. <laughs> well, one of the um, Vivian Westwood perfumes is supposed to smell like freshly washed fanny. Oh my God. Yeah. I feel like one of Lady Gaga's one was smelled like that. How weird. I mean, what, what like does a freshly top. washed fanny smell like? I don't know. I, I, always... I feel like I should know. <laughs> well, they shouldn't smell like anything if they're yeah, healthy. they're just water. Fresh. Yeah, they should <laughs> clean. Yeah. Whatever fragrance you've washed it with. Exactly. <laughs> you should use a fragrance down there. But, um, yeah, I do, I, I, I find it really interesting that number five mm. is still the bestseller. Mm, when there's so much competition nowadays. Mm. 
So what do you think about wow. um, Chanel? Like, was there more behind her than you expected, given yeah, it's I... not just a bag that your mum carries around? <laughs> yeah, um, I had a very narrow mind about brands, so it's really nice to hear the backstory about uh, Coco Chanel and how there's actually more of a re revolution feminist movement to mm -hmm. it. I also feel I didn't quite drive that home enough. When you mm. watch the film, it's much stronger in there. We should watch the film. We should watch the film. I should go put like the kettle on so we can like warm these coffees up and we should watch the film. Yeah. So listeners, just because I don't want to put you through the sound of the gulping, I've not <laughs> let my coffee. Oh, Bella. <laughs> I haven't drank my coffee and it's like looking at me very sad. I'll um, reheat it and then we can watch the film. That sounds like good. That sounds fun. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. What do you think about Coco Chanel? Are you a fan? Are you not a fan? Do you love her fragrance? Should we make a tits and tea fragrance? Whatever you think. <laughs> uh, if you have a lengthier reply, please email us. It's titsandteachannel at gmail.com. Or find us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where we will post weekly show notes and fun images for each episode. Awesome. So uh, yeah, Bella, let's, uh, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs>